0: Well, if you would turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew, we will begin our message this morning. The title of the message this morning is called, The Boss, Loving and Obeying Our Lord. We need to think about this in relation to discipleship, right? We need to understand who's in charge of our lives when we come to Christ, when we give our lives to him, we're really acknowledging that he's the boss. And there's a progression of events in the Gospel of Matthew that I want, us to, I want to make sure that we understand and that we're aware of as we dive more deeply into understanding discipleship this fall as I told you, this fall, we're going to just keep focusing on discipleship and asking God to teach us on deeper levels. Some of you already know some things. Some of you don't know anything. Some of you know a lot of things. But we want to ask God to keep teaching all of us more and more what it means to be his disciple. And not just to be his disciple as individuals, but to be disciple makers. And so we need to understand the process, the the, the, the progression uh, of what took place when the original disciples were called and what kind of environment were they in and what was happening in their world so that when Jesus came and stepped into their lives, the whole world began to change. Something big happened, and something big is still happening when we walk in that way. So if you would look um, at Matthew chapter 4... If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 857. Um, If you'd look at Matthew chapter 4 with me this morning, I know that the Lord has a word for each of us. All of us need to grow. Nobody's exempt. We're all working towards walking faithfully with Jesus and following him faithfully. Amen? All right. So what I want you to see in Matthew chapter 4 is that we almost skipped right over an extremely important step. In our life with Jesus as disciples. What I mean by that is last week we looked at a passage that was just after another passage. And sometimes if we forget about context, we can miss out on important things. So we almost skipped over this, this important step. And I believe that it might be why many of you, many of us, have struggled with following Jesus. Sometimes we're frustrated following Jesus. Sometimes we're exhausted trying to follow Jesus because this step has been skipped. Or we think it was one time and it's not many times. And so I want you to look at verse 17. That's where we'll start. Jesus has begun his ministry. So we go back a little bit here in the Gospel of Matthew. So he's, he's come to John the Baptist. John the Baptist has baptized him. He has... Gone now out into the wilderness. There was a time of fasting and temptation where the enemy came and tried to like distract him from his mission on earth. And he was successful because he used the word of God as his foundation, which is something we should learn. Keep the foundation in place and you'll be okay. The devil actually left him after that. The devil must have got frustrated and angels came and began to serve him and, and, and minister to him. After that, John the Baptist is arrested. And some other things have taken place. Jesus begins his public ministry. What we did is we started in verse 18 last week and talked about when he called his disciples, but we didn't read verse 17. What I want you to see is in verse 17, a very important word that has to take place. In order to be a disciple, you have to repent. You have to. Jesus began to preach, it says, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. So, what is repentance? Repentance is a change of heart and mind that brings us closer to God. It's something that we change that draws us closer to God. It includes turning away from sin and turning to God for forgiveness. So it does include that. But it is motivated by love for God and a sincere desire to obey his commandments. Often, the word repentance or the word repent has been put in the wrong attitude. It's a very sort of harsh word. Repent or burn, you know, that that kind of message. That is not true biblical repentance. It may have been an era of the Old Testament. It may have even been a little bit of John the Baptist because he was sort of that transitional character between Old Testament and New Testament. But the message of Jesus and the message of the church moving forward in history is that repentance is something that we we voluntarily do, we desire to do in our hearts because we want to draw closer to God. I don't want anything to separate me from God. God is so great and so amazing and so awesome. I don't want to miss out on anything. And so I want to get those things out of the way. And I joyfully, not always, but sometimes joyfully get rid of things. Sometimes I struggle to get rid of those things. But repentance is something that's so important because it is motivated, should be motivated by my love for God. Not my fear of God, an unhealthy fear but a healthy desire to draw closer to God and to please him. I don't want to make God upset with me. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, as scripture says. I don't want to make him grieve by my actions, my words, my attitudes. And so I want to remove those things because I love him. So that step cannot be skipped for disciples. And it cannot be something that we do once and we think like, oh, it's once and done. I'm finished with that. I repented once at the altar. and Now I'm good. No, 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 no. We we, got to keep going. We got to keep working. We got to keep desiring to draw closer and closer to God. Then we can move on to verse 19, which says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Then we can move on to following Jesus because you can't follow two things at once. Especially when they're opposite kingdoms, right? So you're stretched between the two. You've got to let go of one so you can go with the other. You can't hold on to both. And often, I think, our, our struggle in discipleship is we're trying to hold on to both. Our old life, our old habits, our old, our old loves, and the new one. And you can't have both. When you come to Jesus, when you say, yes, I will follow you, You're letting go of, you're turning away from many things that keep you from God. They block your view of God. They have a distortion in the view of God. And so we need to understand that, that repentance comes. Then we're able to follow. And then we need to repent some more and continue to follow. It's a a process for us of growth in discipleship. Remember, the word discipleship comes from the word Discipline. None of us like discipline, but it actually makes us better. It makes us stronger. It helps us to grow. So when Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't just asking his disciples to accompany him on a trip. He asked them to follow him, which meant to follow his example, to imitate him as best they could, to emulate him. So for them to place their commitment in him, above all the other commitments that they had, anything else. In fact, we see it right there in verse 22. It says, immediately they left their boats. So that was their career, right? That was what they were raised to do, be fishermen, and their father. Which, ooh, that's an even closer commitment, right? They left both to follow Jesus. So it's extreme It's not like I can hold on to the old and get some of the new. That's the problem. That's actually what syncretism is. Syncretism is when you're trying to take old beliefs and old patterns and sort of mix them in and mingle them with Christianity. And you become neither, right? One negates the other. They don't don't fit. We either love Jesus with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength, or we don't love him. And we need to be honest about that in our discipleship. And as we look at our lives and say, God, help me to love you more. Help me to love you more. I know you deserve more of my love. Help me to love you more. And this idea that Jesus becomes the boss, we need to talk about. Because I use that term because it's really like the, the authority structure. Many of us have had jobs. Not everybody, but many of us have. We understand the term boss. The boss is the guy at the top who decides what's going to be done. And then we carry it out as the employees, right? We're not the boss of the boss. The boss is the boss of us. It just makes me think of that little thing like little kid getting upset because someone's disciplined and then saying, you're not the boss of me. You know, It's like we want to actually say, yes, God, you're the boss of me. You, know, you are the boss of me. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. I want you to correct me. I want you to help me to grow because you're the boss I want to work for because I don't want to work for the old boss. You know what the old boss had in mind? He was going to kill you. He was going to destroy you. He was going to steal your joy. He was going to steal all the abundance that God gave him to give you. That old boss, he had a bad plan for your life. But your new boss wants to pour out his blessing, his abundance, his wisdom, his guidance, his peace, his love, his joy. He wants to pour all that into your life. Why wouldn't you let him? Why would you want to go back to the old boss? Well, because the old boss feels familiar. The old boss, you know, was like a party life, a crazy life, you know, like, no, you got to get to know the new boss. You got to get to know what his goals are and his desire for you. He wants to bring blessing and blessing and blessing into your life. And he's done that through his son, and he's promised to continue to do that for eternity. It isn't just like a part-time job, like a, a, a temporary job. You're not on the temp list. You're on the permanent employee list once you make Jesus your boss. So Simon and Andrew and James and John, they agreed to let Jesus be their boss. And here's three questions that they had to answer. And we also have to answer to be disciples. Here's the three questions Is this how your journey began? Did your journey as a disciple of Jesus start with repentance and then lead to the new boss? That was my old life. Here's my new life. I don't even know a lot about my new life yet, except I want that guy for my boss. I've heard he's great. I've heard he's awesome. I've heard that he brings peace. He brings joy. He brings, he brings a whole new purpose to life. That's who I want to work for. Did you, did you repent? Now remember what, where repentance was. It's not like this scary thing. It's a desire of your heart and mind to bring you closer to God. Yes, it, in, it includes turning away from sin, of course, because sin destroys your relationships. It destroys you eventually but it's motivated by a love for God and a sincere desire to obey his commandments. Now, obedience is one of those words. We don't like it very much because we like to be the boss. We like people to obey us, right? We like it when our children obey us. We like it when our employees obey us, right? But when when the shoe's on the other foot and we have to be obedient, sometimes that gets to us. Why? Because of pride. We think we know best. And you only have to walk with God a little while before you realize oh, actually, He knows way more than I know. And He is way better than I am at this. The second thing after we repent is that we have to agree every day to let Him be our boss. I think what happens with us is we compartmentalize the boss. Because just think about this for a moment. If you use that terminology, then the boss is only the boss when you're at work. But when you're at home, you're the boss, right? And so if Jesus is only the boss when you're at church, when you're at home, you're going to try to be the boss, right? It's a pattern of our lives. It's It's an old pattern. It's a bad pattern. It doesn't actually work for disciples. We have to let him be the boss 24-7, 365. That's hard on us. It causes a lot of sacrifice. It causes a lot of laying down our own desires and seeking his word and seeking his spirit and seeking his wisdom for what is his desire. You know, I, I often approach God in the wrong way with prayer. Often I go to prayer and I have like five or six concerns I want to pray about. And I forget to sort of just put those over here for a minute and say, God, what are you doing today? What's on your heart today? What would you like to say before I speak, before I start telling you what I'd like, right? We have, we have, to, we have to remember, you don't walk into your boss's office and say, okay, boss, listen to me. Here's what's going to happen today. You're going to go over there, you're going to give me a donut, and then you're going to go over there and give me a cup of coffee. Thanks, boss, you know. Sometimes we approach God like that in prayer. God, good morning. Okay, so here's what's the problem today. I need more money in my paycheck. My flat tire needs to be fixed. And, uh, you know, that's not discipleship. It's just not. Discipleship is coming to God, repenting of always trying to do it our own way, and saying, I want to follow you. What are your plans? Now, imagine the disciples, you know, they drop their nets, they say goodbye to their dad, and they start following Jesus. They don't, we don't hear them in scripture saying, where are we going? When are we going to get there? Do we get to stop for McDonald's? Like, what happens? You know, what's happening next? Oh, I don't know if I like that. No, 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 no. You know, they're not sharing their opinion. They have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, right? The old hymn, no turning back. They have decided to. Let him have the reins. Let him steer the ship. Let him whatever you want to say. Let him drive, you know. They're not trying to drive with him as the co pilot. Like he's the one driving. He knows where they're going. He knows when they're gonna get there. He knows how long they're gonna be there. And you don't hear any discussion in the gospels around those things, do you? Okay, Jesus, we've been we've been here long enough. When are we leaving? You know, when we going? When can we get out of here? None of that. But we're so used to that. It might be because we live in the modern world. We're Americans. Everything is sort of made for our pleasure or whatever. We're in charge of it all. But this is discipleship at its root. And we want to study the root so we can understand, are we actually living as modern-day disciples? And are we making modern-day disciples? Or are we making something else? Are we living some other kind of life? This is why I want us to evaluate this. If you came to Jesus through repentance, joyfully, sorrowfully, whatever, but you came to him saying, I want to leave my old life, I want to follow you and make you my new boss, then what happens next in the scripture here is we have to learn to watch him. Watch him. Let's read these verses. Matthew 4, verse 23. After this, it says, so verse 22, immediately they left. They left their boats, they left their father, and they followed him. So we just, they said, we're following you, you're the new boss. Here's what happens. In verse 23, now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people, and then the news of him spread throughout Syria. So they brought him They brought to him all those who were afflicted, those who were suffering from various diseases and intense pain, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, and then on and on and on. So he gathered a crowd, but what they did first is they saw what he did. They observed. You don't hear any mention of the disciples doing any of that stuff yet, right? But they observed. They watched. They saw him do miracles. They saw him free people from pain and from possession. They, they watched that. Now, at that point, I don't know about you, I might be a little nervous if I said I'm going to follow this man and then if I'm following him, that means I'm going to like emulate him. I'm going to try to be like him. And then he starts doing all these amazing, supernatural, fantastic things. I think I might be a little nervous saying, uh, what have I signed up for? (laughs) What is happening here? I can't do that. I'm not capable of that. They watched him because as their new boss... He needed to show them what the kingdom of God was all about. See, Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God. Now, it's easy for us if we think heaven as the kingdom, right? Because we know in heaven there's no more darkness, there's no more sickness, there's no more sin, there's no more disease, right? We know that because scripture teaches us, oh yeah, heaven is that pure place. But what Jesus has said from the beginning of his ministry there, back a few verses ago, the kingdom of God is drawing near and then these things that are heavenly like no pain, no sorrow, no sickness, these things that are heavenly start to like show up here in his midst. It's pretty amazing stuff. It's stuff we should pay attention to and watch and read about and meditate on and ask him about so that we can be his disciples. It's what he intended us to do. Follow him, learn from him. So, the next thing that I think we see illustrated here, especially in verse verse 25, is that they actually began to listen to him. So he wasn't just doing things. He wasn't just healing people. I shouldn't say just. He wasn't only healing people. He was literally teaching at the same time. And then, last Several weeks ago, last summer, we started that journey. We, 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 we said, let's look for a little while at the Sermon on the Mount. So if you look at the, the end of chap, chapter 4 in Matthew, the very next chapter, chapter 5, Pastor Gary and I preached on this this summer, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, this large, this large crowd that had gathered, sat down and he began to teach them. It says, when he saw the crowds, chapter 5, He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to teach them. And then we have all those teachings. They got to listen and listen and listen. As a disciple, are you listening to the teachings of Jesus? I mean, straight from his word. I don't mean here this morning through my microphone. I don't mean on YouTube. I don't mean on... on, But... Are you listening to the teachings of Jesus? Because we have them recorded here. They are like gold to us. This is valuable stuff. Learning about being salt and light in the world. Learning about what Jesus said about God's law, because God's law was set up by God understanding what he meant when he talked about murder and adultery and and about how we treat money and, and how we shouldn't worry and how we should pray. All of those things were talked about in this listening session. And I don't know how long it took for him to teach all that. I don't know if it was a whole afternoon or a morning and an afternoon session, but he was teaching them, again, about kingdom life, about the kingdom of God and how we should live it. And I don't know about you, but... When I read through the Sermon on the Mount, some of those messages are a little hard. I'm not sure how to love my enemies that way. I'm not sure how to do things the way that the king, the king wants me to do them. And so that leads me to the next part. After we listen to him and we realize how great he is and how high the standard is to be his disciple, I need to lean on him. You need to lean on him. Because we can't live as kingdom people without the help of the king. We're too weak. We're too foolish. We're too... Crazy, you know, we're, we're, we're to, to all these other things to be able to actually live that way. But we need to lean into him. Now, this is from Matthew 11, I, and, and, and you probably are familiar with it, but I just want to read it to you. He is the one who said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, because I will give you rest. Take up my yoke, learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So when we read in the scriptures, the standards of God, even just the 10 commandments alone, let alone the next, but when we, when we understand that, we start to say like, oh God, I'm so far from that. I'm so far from that. And he just says, just lean in, lean in on me, yoke up with me, I'll give you my strength. I'll refresh you, I'll help you to live that kind of life. Praise God, we don't have to do it without him. The history of the human race proves that there's no way we can live up to God's standard for holiness. And so there's no way we can enter the kingdom of heaven unless we follow him. Remember, scripture says he is the way. The way to what? He is the way to heaven. He's the way to the kingdom. He's the one who will lead us and guide us there. And as we realize how faithful he is, when we lean on him, when we feel weak, when we feel burdened, when we feel overcome, when we feel so confused, and we start to learn from him, we start to let him minister to us, then we realize how much we love him. How much he should be loved. Because even though we're nasty old rats, he loves us. Even though we fail again and again, he loves us. So from that place of love, then we want to obey him. That's the next step here is we go from leaning on him to actually realizing he's there for us. He's there for you on your worst day. He's there for you on your nasty day. He's there for you on a good day. He's always there. You can lean on him. Bring all your burdens, all your junk, all your garbage to him and learn from him. He is gentle and humble. loving and obeying him. His disciple, John, wrote in his gospel, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, because Jesus was a counselor. He was someone they talked to about things. Another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you through the Holy Spirit. He's here. Same Jesus that they got to follow physically through all those pathways and around those those lakes and through those villages and through those towns and all the way to Jerusalem. That same Jesus is here to guide you and to guide me and calling us into discipleship and wanting us to follow him and lean on him and love him and obey him. But the way that we can do that is we have to remain in him. He can't be a part-time lover. He's got to be a full-time commitment relationship. He is a jealous God. Scripture does use that word for him. He's jealous. When we start to love other things and follow other pathways, he becomes jealous because of his love for us and become jealous because he's mad at us. He loves us and wants to be with us. And we're, we're, we're causing separation. So the next thing we do in discipleship is remain with him. These disciples didn't go home and sleep in their old house. They followed him. I, they slept on the side of the hill or they slept in the bushes or they, uh, they slept in someone's friend's house or whatever, but, but they didn't go home. They stayed with him. They remained with him. Because they loved him, and they didn't want to miss a word he had to say. They didn't want to miss one of those miracles. They didn't want to miss anything. To remain in him is similar to the phrase he uses, abide in me. It's to be connected. He's the vine, and we are the branches, and those branches are connected, and they stay connected. If they break off or if they, they, they twist off or whatever, then they're no longer connected. Abiding in him, again, is a 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some modern-day disciples abide with him Sunday morning from 10 o'clock till 11.30. Then they unplug, and they wonder why they're so frustrated in life, why, they, why they're not growing, why these sins are continuing to beat them down and beat them bloody. Why? They have no victory. They're not abiding in him. They're partially connected sometimes, and then they disconnect. It's like they unplug, and they wonder where the power went. Well, you unplugged it. I know, but where's the power? You unplugged it. But I don't have any power. You unplugged it. You keep unplugging it. Stop unplugging it. Plug it back in. Reboot it. Start it over. It's like when your computer goes berserk. And, the, and, you know, you call tech support and you think they're going to give you this. They're like, um, turn it off and then turn it back on. And when you turn it back on, woo, it's back to life again. You know, we got to we got to stay connected. We got to not go through that process again and again and again, because that process is frustrating. We're doing well. We're not doing well. We're doing well. We're not doing well. We're doing well. We're not doing well. It's, it's up and down and up and down. And that's the reality of some of our life. Right. But not our whole life. If life is like that, it becomes frustrated, and we become tired and weary trying to be something for God without actually letting God be something for us, live his life through us, give us the strength and energy that we need from him. What I want to do is like look at these seven things together. As a disciple, so this is for you to examine for yourself, first of all. As a disciple, did your journey with Jesus start with repentance? Realizing I need Jesus more than anything else. And I'll let go of anything else so that I can hold fast to him. My sin, relationships, whatever. I'll let go. And then I'll follow him. I'll let him be the boss. I won't try to boss him around. You've heard those people, right? Those praying people. They pray and they're like bossing Jesus around. It's like, you need to chill out. He's the boss. Thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's doing. But don't stop bossing Jesus around. That's dangerous business. Watch him. Look at what he's doing. Listen to him read his read you've one of those red letter bibles anybody have a red letter bible read that again and again those are his words that are being recorded for us by by his closest comrades his friends his disciples read those words meditate on those when you realize you can't live up to the standard that god sets be ye holy for i am holy you just lean on him say god i can't be holy only you can make me holy Only you could change me that much. I'm rotten to the core, but you can make me new again. I lean on you. I lean into you. I need you so desperately. Like the song says, every hour I need you. Every moment I need you. I lean on you. And when you realize when you're leaning on him how good he is to hold you, to help you, to strengthen you, to redirect you, to take you in all your craziness and clean you up. So that you are purposeful in life, that your life has meaning, that you are excited about each day when you wake up, because God's at work, and you're going to join him in it somehow. You want to love him and obey him and remain with him. That's the progression of discipleship. You might be at one place or another this morning, but I want you to see the progression just through the gospel of Matthew. just, Just see how this went. Go back and read through that. See see the ups and downs of it. It wasn't easy. They weren't perfect. In fact, far from it, just like us. But God has a plan. And his plan was to transform the whole world through these few guys and gals who joined in him. He can do it. It's his work, not ours. I want you to look at 1 John 5.3. Is this for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Can we say that last part together? His commandments are not burdensome. How is that possible? Because they do seem like, oh wow, this is a lot. I gotta, I gotta be this, I gotta be patient, I gotta be kind, I gotta be gentle, I gotta be how am I gonna do it? They're not burdensome when you're leaning on him, when you're yoked with him, when he's the one guiding you and when you're just following him. It's easy to follow someone if you're willing, if that's your desire every day. But if you're fighting against that, some days you want to follow, other days you don't, then discipleship is a very frustrating process. It does take surrender. It does take us needing to move more and more into that love relationship with, Romans 5, 5 says this, and I think it is the pathway of discipleship. We need to endure. We need to persevere. And we need to have hope because the love of God was poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he's given to us. So the commandments are not burdensome because we love God. And the Holy Spirit within us gives us strength to follow God do it in our own strength, but we can do it with him. When we let him be the boss, when we let him reign over our lives as a king, as an authority figure, that means we're not the authority anymore, but God himself is. So let's stand and sing some words that will help us to understand the prayer that needs to be in our hearts as we follow Jesus together.